Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their world. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Words are important, especially when it's written. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. On the show today, Dr. David C. Pate. He's the president and CEO of St. Luke's Health System based in Boise, Idaho. Dr. Pate joined that system in 2009. He received his medical degree from Baylor College of Medicine in Houston and his law degree from the University of Houston Law Center. Dr. Pate, great to have you on the show today. My pleasure. So uh, first of all, let's get to know you. What brought you into the St. Luke's medical system? And I also want to hear about your journey uh, from law to medicine or vice versa. How did that go and, and what got you there? So so let's start there with, with your career path, uh, both sure. as an attorney and a doctor. Well, and I started my career in medicine. I was in private practice uh, when about the time that President uh, Bill Clinton was in office and Hillary was working on health care reform, I became quite interested in health care reform. It was at that point in time I decided to go to law school at night uh, because I could uh, keep my practice going during the day, and there was a night program at the University of Houston Law Center. So I studied health law, and uh, about halfway through uh, that program, uh, one of the hospitals in the Texas Medical Center asked me to come on and take an administrative position, which I did. I subsequently graduated from law school. I uh, worked in progressively increasing positions in the health system there in Houston, ultimately becoming CEO of a very large hospital in the Texas Medical Center. And then I was contacted about the opportunity to come to Idaho. And it's not something that I had previously considered, but I knew the recruiter. The recruiter uh, convinced me to come out, take a look. And when I came here, uh, I fell in love with Boise overnight. Uh, But what was particularly uh, important is that I saw the opportunity that exists in Idaho to truly transform healthcare. Opportunities here that I didn't think existed even in the world's largest medical center in Houston. And that was what attracted me to come here because of my desire to pursue healthcare reform and how to actually transform healthcare. And I could, everything in me wants to go down <laughs> that path with you, uh, but that's a different podcast. It uh, is. So, so today our topic is all about words. And to give the listeners uh, just a little bit of context, uh, you work closely with Ron Price, uh, one of the, the co-author of The Complete Leader. And the two of you are having a conversation about the importance of the written word, especially in business, especially as it pertains to leaders. So give us, uh, give us your perspective from that conversation that you had with Ron to, to set the stage for what we're going to talk about during the podcast. Well, thanks. And I think that if you think about the changing times, I mean, it wasn't that many years ago that most of our interactions uh, were in person and were by words. But more and more today, our interactions and even our first impressions with people are through words, whether it's 
emails or 140 characters in a tweet or our Facebook pages or what have you. But uh, more and more, uh, people are developing their first impressions based on our written work. Uh, and my specific conversation with Ron was at a time when we were conducting a search and applicants who were interested in this very senior position that we were offering in our health system were submitting resumes and in some cases letters uh, expressing their interest in being considered for the job. And I lamented to Ron that it strikes me uh, that many of the people who submitted these written documents either did not use care in preparing them or were just woefully inadequate at writing. And the problem is that when I'm going through a stack of resumes, uh, if I find one laden with errors, it just goes in the trash. You made a striking statement to me as we were chatting before the podcast. Leaders undo themselves with poor writing. Absolutely. And, and the reason I think that is, is that at least if most people are like me, you're making judgments about how much I trust the information that is trying to be communicated to me by how it's communicated. And I think we do that in our verbal communication as well. I may uh, have more or less confidence in the way uh, in something you're trying to tell me based on how you tell me, but it's the same thing in writing. Uh, for example, if you were to uh, pick up a book uh, on physics and you were to start reading, but there were lots of grammatical errors, misspelled words, the textbook might be technically superior. But you start to make a judgment that this author is careless, I can't trust the author, uh, and, and because of that, now whatever the subject matter is the author's trying to communicate, you're going to be less likely to be persuaded or to trust it. And I think the same thing happens in our written communication. When somebody presents me something that is written very well, it can inspire me, it causes me to trust it, it, wants, it makes me want to read more. If you submit something, even if you have a great point, but you submit it and it's poorly written, I have to decide, do I continue reading because it's so frustrating to read uh, it further? And I'm making judgments about whether I trust it. So are you, I want to get into the nitty gritty, are you talking about a misplaced comma and an extra uh, or, you know, a, an apostrophe in the wrong place, an no, extra space? No, in fact, uh, it, it's much more than that, and you'd be a little bit surprised about uh, the kinds of things that I see. So let's just start off with uh, some common uh, mistakes that I see that cause me to not go for further with the person who's trying to make contact with me. So the very first thing is, uh, important rule of writing, is know your audience. Know who you're writing to. Uh, and you would be surprised 
at the number of people that want jobs or want to do business with me. And they start off a, uh, a correspondence to me, usually an uh, email, sometimes a, a letter, and they address it to Mr. Pate. Now, I'm not offended because of my ego, but what I read from that is this person didn't take two minutes to look at my LinkedIn page or to look at anything about me to know who I was and realize that I'm Dr. Pate. And, and, and so it tells me right away, most of the time when I see these things, I don't get much further than the, the first introduction. And I realize this person hasn't used care. They haven't uh, checked me out. And I don't give very much credence to what they're writing. Another uh, point about writing is after know your audience. So take that few minutes to figure out who you're writing to. And oftentimes you can personalize or find ways to bring up a connection with the person in your writing that can be very effective. And especially in a setting like when you're trying to get a job and you're trying to be that resume that sticks out and that will be selected by the employer. But let me give you a, another example. Once you get past that, your writing needs to clearly convey what the message is. And a lot of writing is telling a story. So let me give you another example of, of what happened recently. Um, I, I often coach and mentor uh, younger people that are trying to come up in healthcare administration. And a lot of people help me, so I'm glad to help them. And this one person uh, contacted me and said, you know, I'm just so frustrated. I don't know what to do. I keep submitting my resume to the recruiter uh, for these CEO jobs, and I've never been considered. And I said, well, let me see your resume. So she sent me the resume, and I got back to her, and I said, well, I'm not trying to be harsh, but, but two things. First of all, you have many misspelled words and grammatical uh, errors in your writing. You're trying to instill confidence in me about you as a person that I'm going to trust with a job. And what I believe is that when I get your resume, when you're trying to get the job, that is the best writing that I will ever see. In other words, your writing's not going to get better once I hire you. So if you can't do a good job writing in that uh, sphere. I assume you cannot if you're my employee. The other thing I told her is that when you do a, a lengthy writing, a resume or whatever, it tells a story. And her, she was not telling a good story uh, by the way her resume was written. It showed that she had uh, moved jobs very frequently it had shown that she had not gone to some higher tier schools. Now, when I talked to her, uh, she had explanations about all these things. But that's the problem. If you're submitting that resume, I'm not going to talk to you until I've already selected it out of a whole stack of other resumes. And so I'm not going to have that additional information. So if you know that's going to be an issue, then in your writing, in your storytelling, you have to address that and give me the reason to select your resume. Because at the face value, how that was done, written poorly, 
and telling a poor story, I'm not going to select that one. But even if you do get a chance to have a conversation, and I'm going I'm to be blunt, do the excuses really mean anything? Well, it just depends. Not not excuses, but sometimes there are legitimate stories. So, for example, this particular uh, woman uh, had a very difficult personal life uh, status in terms of raising children by herself, uh, limited income, what she was able to do. Well, that told me a little different story about uh, why she made some of the choices that she did as opposed to, well, this is a person who uh, doesn't have uh, uh, the credentials to get into a higher quality school. Uh, She can't hold a job, uh, those kind of things. And again, we're making impressions based on first uh, writing. The other thing I would say is, and, and just that, to be clear, uh, I was I was you, talking more about the the misspellings. If oh, the misspellings. Well, the misspellings, though, it shows me a general lack of care. And and the point is, if I'm making a persuasive writing, so maybe I'm submitting a resume because I want a job. Maybe I'm making a letter to the editor because I want to make a point. Uh, maybe I am writing a letter uh, to a legislature trying to convince them of a position. The point is, if you don't use care in your writing, then a lot of times people are going to not take the point of your persuasive writing seriously because they assume this is lack of care, lack of attention, uh, and and so what I would encourage people to do is to not take those things for granted because we're forming opinions and judgments about you in the absence of any other information. You've given us a great insight into how an executive approaches reading, incoming writing. Let's talk about how you craft your writing. And, and let's say I'm going to start with an email because that tends to be where most of the written word is right now for for leaders. After you write it initially, take me through your editing process for for an email. Yeah, that's a great point. The first thing I do after I've written something is uh, if it's short and I'm not tired, then I reread it then, and I reread it carefully, and I try to look at, first of all, have I made errors of grammar, punctuation, spelling, uh, those kind of things. But I'm also reading it as now I'm trying to put myself in the other person's position, and I'm trying to say, okay, how would this come across to me if I was reading this without any context? And that's what we have to remember in this day of emails, is that you can't adequately convey emotions, context, uh, those kind of things. And so I've certainly had emails sent to me that appeared that the person was angry, but they told me they weren't. But there's it can be difficult to judge that when it's just an email. So I try to put myself in their position. How will I receive that? That is the most common 
situation where I make changes to my writing is because I thought it was going to come out one way, but it's coming out either too harsh or it's not making the point that I wanted it to make. But look at spelling, grammar, punctuation, and and especially in in just the written word, because uh, I certainly know how many times I, as a lawyer, look at written materials that the meaning completely changes depending on word choice or where a comma is placed. Uh, those kinds of things actually change the meaning, so you have to be careful. Do you find that you catch most everything in that first read? Do you only do one read, or is it multiple reads? It depends. If it is not a emotional-laden or highly technical uh, uh, subject, then uh, oftentimes just a quick once-through uh, is fine. Uh, when the when I know that the subject matter uh, could be uh, emotional laden, or I know it's particularly important information, or I know that what I'm trying to communicate is technical and may be difficult to understand, those require more than one read through. Uh, to make sure that they are uh, successful, going to be successful in communicating what I'm uh, wanting to say. And if it's lengthy or if I'm tired, I need to step away from it and come back refreshed to read it. Because so oftentimes when you write something, uh, you can look at the same thing 20 times and not see a glaring error uh, if you're tired or fatigued from having read it. So, you know, step away, you know, go freshen up, get a cup of coffee, do whatever it is you need to do, come back, look at it afresh. Is there a time where uh, the situation would escalate to a point where you have somebody else look over your shoulder, read it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is some great advice. If you are, uh, you know, so... One of the things you asked is for some tips. Let me just give you this tip. First of all, don't assume that you're a great writer. I've seen a lot of writing from people that think they're great writers, and I hate to break the news to them. They're not. Uh, so don't assume that you're a great writer. Second of all, if it's a, an important piece of writing, uh, of course, there's computer aids like uh, spell check, uh, pay attention to that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes computer programs will uh, also underline things for you if it appears grammatically in incorrect. Uh, there's online dictionaries, which I make use of all the time. But, you know, do those things first. Then second, if it's an important piece of writing, have somebody else whose writing you respect read your, your paper for you. Uh, and uh, or your your article or your whatever it is, uh, get somebody that you know is a good writer and ask them to read it. They will see things that you don't uh, see. And myself, even though I'm at a point where I consider myself to be an above average writer, uh, and I write a lot, I write a blog, I write a lot of communications for my organization. Awesome. Have you ever? read something that you've written out loud just to yourself? Oh, yes. Okay. That is another good uh, skill. Sometimes 
you don't realize how poorly something is written until you read it out loud. It also, I find, is a very effective way for me to check punctuation because when you read it out loud, especially when it comes to comma placement and so forth, it becomes so much more obvious, oh, a comma is needed here, or oh, I put this comma here, I need to take it out because it's actually saying something I didn't intend. So I think that's a very good strategy. An illustration, I, I've got a book, it had gone through multiple edits with professional editors, and I settled into the studio to record the audio version and found, I think it was 22 errors in a 160-page book, but that was after all of the editing. And it came out because I read it out loud. Yeah, I, I mean, think it was, it my I eyes. think that is a very good suggestion for proofreading. Okay. Uh, we're running out of time for this edition. Any other final words for us, Dr. Pate? Just... Just another thing I would tell you, one of the things that helps me so much in my own writing is to read good writing mm. and, and very different authors to see how they structure sentences, to see how they take advantage of wordplay, to see how you can vary uh, your, your writing style. And so read good writers and then emulate it and I, I just can't emphasize enough practice 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 and finally just let me say you just never be too proud to learn excellent advice dr pate thank you so much uh, if you would like to learn more about dr david pate uh, his information and uh, links to more about him will be in the show notes of this episode and be sure while you are out and about that you uh, go to itunes if you would rate this podcast also leave a review we would be most grateful dr david pate thank you so much for your time on this edition Thanks, Dale. Absolutely. And we will see you on the next edition of the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.